Welcome to Knoxville Chronicles, a podcast series produced by the Knoxville History Project, an educational nonprofit which researches and promotes the history and culture of Knoxville, Tennessee. decade before there was a state called Tennessee. Knoxville had been founded in 1791 as capital of the Southwestern Territory. It was hardly even something that could be called a town before it had a bi-weekly newspaper. The town and the newspaper were just a little more than two years old when the Knoxville Gazette, founded and edited by former Boston area journalist George Rollstone, ran a story that made it around much of the English-speaking world. It happened in the late winter, when the trees were bare and the dense forests and dramatic rock formations of the Cumberlands still offered many places to hide and a capacity to surprise. According to the story, in February 1794, a detachment of mounted infantry had penetrated 15 miles into the Cumberland Mountains and were exploring the Cove Creek area. That's not necessarily an unusual name for a creek, and it's unclear whether it's the same Cove Creek in Campbell County along the Clinch River about 30 miles northwest of Knoxville. But that seems as good a guess as any. They were looking for Indians, in particular those who were hostile toward white settlers. Just five months earlier, a large band of rebellious Chickamaugan warriors who didn't feel bound by the treaties signed by the Cherokee made an abortive campaign to destroy Knoxville, the white man's capital. Instead, they destroyed a fortified Knox County home known as Cavett Station, killing everyone inside, men, women, and children. Especially fearsome was their leader, Doublehead, whom even the Cherokee feared. It was revenge that bred more revenge. Soldiers exploring the Cumberlands had reason to be jumpy. Under the command of Captain John Beard, a 28-year-old federal soldier who generally answered to General John Severe, they were told not to fire their weapons, except at Indians. Remembered to history, if barely, Ensign McDonald, along with another man, whether another soldier or a civilian guide is unclear, set out ahead of the Beard Detachment in advance of the party as spies. At some point in the Cove Creek area, they were startled by something standing in the woods. It was a creature. That was the most specific word they came up with, and one they'd never seen before. Their description caught the attention of newspaper readers across America, and even in England. It had only two legs and stood almost upright, covered with scales of a black, brown, and light yellow color in spots like rings, a white tuft on the top of its head about four feet high, a head as big as a two-pound stone, and large eyes of a fiery red. The creature was not happy to see these soldiers in its own woods. It stood about three minutes in daring posture. Mr. McDonald advanced and struck at it with his sword when it jumped at least eight feet and landed on the same spot of ground, sending forth a red kind of matter out of its mouth resembling blood, and then retreated into a laurel thicket, turning around often as if it intended to fight. Its footprints, they noted, resembled those of a goose, but larger. Upon discussion, it was claimed there the incident had a precedent in Native American lore. 
The Indian report that a creature inhabits that part of the mountain of the above description, which by its breath will kill a man if he does not instantly immerse himself in water. What was it? Experts apparently know of no creature that resembles this particularly weird thing, which sounds either like a large predatory bird or some sort of reptile never suspected since the age of dinosaurs. Unfortunately, it has only a little more detail and sourcing and context than most ghost stories do. People are known to misperceive under stress and to exaggerate, but do some people risk ridicule or in the case of a soldier discredit by making things up? Maybe they did see something. Maybe it was some sort of eagle or vulture, imperfectly described and perhaps injured, able to jump but not to fly. Or maybe it was something else entirely. The newspaper story took off around the world. The Tennessee frontier was then, to some extent, the frontier of civilization. The whole world was fascinated in what happened here, and what strange and little-known people and creatures might be encountered here to offer more clues about the mystery of life on this planet. That August, Ensign McDonald's description of the creature appeared in three different newspapers in Philadelphia, then the national capital. It's likely that George and Martha Washington read about it. It also appeared in print in Vermont and Ohio. Before the end of the year, it was featured in the Belfast Northern Star in Ireland and the Derby Mercury in England, always crediting the Knoxville Gazette. Some of the reprints include this additional introduction. The following account of a wonderful animal lately discovered in the Cumberland Mountains may be acceptable to the curious and oblige a constant reader, it being a fact. Fact or not, the creature of the Cumberlands was real enough to those soldiers, and they weren't afraid to report it. Thank you for listening to Knoxville Chronicles. This story was written by Jack Neely and narrated by Alex Harrelson. Sound design and editing by Pete Carty. Theme song composed by Mike Stallings. For other podcasts and stories, please join us online at knoxvillehistoryproject.org or find us on your favorite podcast hosting platform. Funding for this project has been provided by Friends of the Knoxville History Project, 